guys, it's Matt here and you have arrived at The Daily Hustle and today we've got a super special guest. It's Lucas Senator. He's one of the CEOs at Genie Goals. He also launched a successful coaching program and has a ton of other businesses and I thought he'd be a great guest for today's show. Say hi, Luca. Introduce yourself. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody. It's fantastic to be here. I'm very excited. And uh, yes, I mean, you introduced me uh, fantastically. I'm the CEO of Ginigals. Uh, I'm the CEO of Sam Mentoring Program, and I've got a couple of other businesses on the go. But yeah, so it's uh, fantastic to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's so good to have you on the show because, you know, I read uh, Luca's book and learned so much by it. And I ended up basically approaching Luca and it just happened that he was launching this Sam program, this mentoring program. We got talking and then we joined the program and it was an amazing program. Tell us a little bit about the Sam mentoring program, Luca. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have been doing coaching and business coaching for a long time. But uh, because of the agency and the speaking commitments that I had pre-pandemic, I used to travel a lot. And then, of yeah. course, when uh, when the pandemic ended, or when the pandemic started with the, with the lockdowns, uh, I found myself with so much time that previously was taken up by travels. And so I thought, okay, let's see if we can use this time wisely and uh, scale the coaching. So we, we turned it into a proper business. And the idea was to help entrepreneurs that are also ethically minded. Um, so yeah. entrepreneurs that want to change the world and have a big impact on the planet in one way or another. So we started this organization that uh, is basically a coaching program that helps entrepreneurs scale from whatever they are to six and seven figures with a caveat that we only work with people who also want to do something uh, to increase their impact on the world. So we, we kind of screen people quite severely before they come in. And, yes. uh, and that's what we do. We help people. We help people grow their business. The motto is grow your income, grow your impact. So they grow their business, they give more, they help other charities, they help the world in whichever way they do. And we ourselves donate quite a bit of our money to charity. And uh, yeah, I mean, the goal was to raise it to uh, you know a couple of hundred thousand revenue a year. And we surpassed that within a few months and, and it became a proper business. And we thought, shit, we got a proper business here now. And so, and so now we stuffed it as a proper business and it's running like a proper business. And, and that is it really. It's amazing. Cause I think like the, the impact stuff as well was really important for us when we joined. So it kind of, I think you helped us to define where we wanted to grow our impact. And a lot of that was around mental health, obviously losing our mother as well during that time. Like it was a really like good time to meet you because it, it allowed us to build our why, I guess, and it was really useful. And now we're kind of working with um, the Sheffield Children's Hospital, like helping these guys in the mental health unit um, for for children, which is really cool. And and you take some of the credit for that, Luca, because you really inspired us with that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. You guys are remarkable. The stuff that you've been doing since day one in the program was, you know, very clearly pointing in that direction you know you growing the business making an impact and that's exactly what we exist for so yes it's, it's fantastic to hear thanks for sharing that it's awesome and like i guess one of the things that really inspired me with you and i learned this from your book was you know you came to england with nothing so we we can see now like obviously with the sam mentoring program that's that's grown so quickly but like it wasn't the case when you first came to england was it there was a lot of challenges in coming to england can you can you tell us a little bit about that 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I come from a background that is perhaps uh, a little bit different from your typical uh, entrepreneurs, maybe. Um, I, you know, we grew up very poor and, and we had challenges. You know, to cut the long story short, when I was, when I was 25, I thought, you know, what am I doing here? Let, let me try and do something different. So I left Italy, landed uh, in the UK with about 65 pounds. If you oh go... American audience is like what eighty five dollars, and uh, uh, and you know I couldn't speak a word of English, so I had to start from the very very beginning. I mean, I was twenty five, I couldn't communicate at the most basic level. So I remember I landed a job uh, as a kitchen porter in a restaurant, and they uh, at the end of the shift they said go home, go home, and I thought, wow, you know they they must have seen I was working so hard. They they are telling me to go home and rest. They were telling me instead to go home and never come back because I couldn't understand the word of what they oh were saying. It, it was hilarious at times. Uh, but, but, but the point being here is that whatever I built, I built absolutely from scratch. And what happens when you do that is that you have uh, 100% zero tolerance for excuses, right? Yeah. So you don't see excuses when you face a challenge and a problem. You see opportunity. It becomes almost an innate uh, growth mindset uh, that you, it's inevitable because when you are 25 and 25 is not old but it's not you're not a baby either and you cannot communicate at the most basic level and they fire you because you cannot understand where you want to put, where, where, where they want you to put the, the clean plates you know obviously you become used to solving problems and so yeah. when uh, I mastered the, the the language and of course I became obsessed I mean all I was thinking about was to learn the language because I knew there was number one problem to solve so I, I I basically isolated myself from any Italian influence any Italian person that I would come into contact I would either ignore them or force them to speak English uh, I would obsess trying to read books in English and it would take me a month to read a couple of pages because I had to basically translate every word so you, you go through that 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 kind of learning curve and then uh, and then it kind of happens then the stuff clicks and I uh, started opening uh, a marketing consultancy for very small businesses and that did all right and then and then many of these clients wanted websites and graphic design work so we opened a graphic design agency to go with it and then we grew a bit so I needed an office I only needed one office and I found a property that was fantastically placed in a wonderful location uh, but it, it was eight rooms too big. They had eight offices, uh, too many. I only needed one, they had nine. So I ended up taking it and I thought, okay, what am I going to do with the rest? And we opened a complimentary of center. And so what happened is that I think almost by chance and almost because of that, uh, being so used to solving problems and finding yourself in rough waters, I just kind of took everything on with that type of mentality. You know, what is the worst that can happen? I mean, can it, can it get worse of not being able to speak in the language? I, I don't think so. And so uh, and so from there, we just started building businesses, and that's what we did. It's amazing because you've also kind of you've, – you've got a bit of a, a different um, kind of approach to building businesses. Like all, most of your businesses have a similar kind of trend. Can you tell us what other businesses you've kind of built in that time? God, uh, I opened a delicatessen shop, an Italian deli, Italian, French, and South African, because my girlfriend and my wife was uh, South African. I'm Italian, yeah. and uh, I didn't have time to run the shop because I was doing marketing. 
And so the girl that I got to run the shop and I gave a part of the company to do so was French. So we created this French, Italian, and, and South African shop. And I opened it just because I wanted one. I wanted one where I could shop for Italian produce. And there was only one in Cambridge. And it was super, super, I mean, it was like extortionally expensive. I don't want to stick in the Mickey. Let's, let's just do it properly. So we opened the shop. Uh, and then I opened uh, a marketing consultancy agency, a graphic design agency that went with it. And uh, then we did this complimentary health center because we had this big office with, with uh, nine rooms. I thought, what am I going to do with it? And I looked in Cambridge and there seemed to be uh, only one complimentary health center. And I thought, wow, they're making a killing. You know, there's a lot of demand. Uh, you know, they, they, they're all quiet, obviously, because they do complimentary health therapies. So they're quiet, so they wouldn't disturb our activity. Let's do it. I had zero experience in the complimentary health world. <laughs> Uh, and we did that, and it became the biggest in Cambridge with 75 practitioners. Uh, so, uh, but obviously, my focus was always marketing and business consultancy. Yeah. And then, uh, at the time, one, I was renting, and one of my landlords became a very good friend. They were running an affiliate business, comparison websites and that. And one day, he calls me up and says, look, you know, we've got this idea. We want to start an agency. And uh, I know that you've got an agency. You start businesses. We wanted to pick your brain. What would you do? So we sat, we sat down. We had a coffee. And I told him what I would do, uh, which at the time, I, rem- I don't remember everything that I told him, but I told him I wouldn't do it in Cambridge. I would do it, you know, you can be in Cambridge, but I wouldn't target Cambridge because Cambridge is, is known for many very beautiful things. Marketing isn't one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you're going to struggle to, 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 you have to convince people that they need the service before you can convince them that they need to choose you. And, uh, and also with e-commerce and so on. So two years after that conversation, they still haven't done anything with the business, not because they were not capable, but just because their affiliate business was just taking up all of their time. And so we kind of met, and I can't remember how the conversation went really, but it seemed to make sense that I would just sell my two businesses and go in and then partner with them and, and build this agency. And so we did, you know, I'm a risk taker. So I sold my complimentary health center and, and then the, the marketing consultancy and went in and, and grew this thing from what was a logo to now top 2% in the email region for Google and one of the leading European uh, performance agencies for e-commerce brands. And uh, and it was an incredible journey because at the beginning we, we were against, you know, the periscopics and jellyfish and all these big agencies. We wanted to be a... We wanted to be an independent, smaller agency that competed with these guys. And uh, and what was very interesting is that at the time, seven and a half, eight years ago, in the digital marketing space in England, you had no one that was as unorthodox as I am. They yeah. were all, you know, marketers or maybe tech marketers or maybe, you know, maybe techies going into marketing. So it was a very poised, a very slightly closed type of industry. And I remember the first time that I spoke at Brighton SEO, uh, you know, with this, I don't know, almost kind of almost personal development type energy and this kind of positive mindset, growth mindset, talking about attitude as much as was talking about technical. Because I understood technical marketing. I like technical yeah. marketing. But, I, you know, I was talking about attitude and, and being positive and growth mindset. And you could see there was half of the room thinking, wow, I like this. And the other half was thinking, what the hell is this? You know, why, why is this guy speaking to us? And it was very polarizing. And I thought that was a good thing. Uh, so we did a talk at, um, uh, oh, God, 
PPC Masters in Berlin, which was super technical. I mean, if you know the German uh, digital yeah. market landscape, they're very, very technical. And again, we had the same approach. And, and we loved it because for as much as there were 50% or more of the room saying, what the hell is this? The other 40, 50% loved us, really, really loved us. And so we ended up attra- attracting clients. They were just so much better for us to work with them because they knew exactly yeah. the type of agencies that, were, that we were. And so I think we, we started with that. And then we just really focused on delivering the absolute best digital marketing talent um, for our clients. And, uh, and yes, and that, that's it. Now we've been going for seven, eight years which is the longest I've ever done anything. That's amazing. And that's consistency right there, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, obviously, when the pandemic hit, uh, we are an e-commerce-only uh, brand or agency. So the pandemic uh, really had a big uh, knock on the e-commerce industry. And for us to be able to come out of that with all our stuff, we haven't made any redundancy, all our clients, we support our clients. We still did a lot of work uh, in terms of charity and contribution. So, yeah, I'm very proud. The team is fantastic. And the business is a business that is autonomous. I mean, it allows me, don't get me wrong. I mean, if I stopped working for the business today and I get paid for two years, the business will still owe me time because the amount yeah. of hours that I put into the business is insane. But now I can spend the time thinking more progressively. You know, what, what can we do that is different? What can we do that is a little bit... I know I can, I can work on things that are more exciting. I can support the team and do the CEO work instead of having to be in the trenches, which is not, I, just, I don't mind. It's just that I don't believe that a CEO really uh, brings everything that he or she can to the table by working in the trenches all the time. Yeah, that's one of the things we discussed a lot, wasn't it? And I think one of one of the key points that you've just mentioned is challenging, I guess, like people, not everyone's going to love you. So... How, how did you kind of deal with that? When, you know, when you got like 40% of the audience or what have you, I can't remember if you said 40 or 60 now, but like of people thinking, what the hell is this guy doing here on this stage? Like, how, how did you kind of deal with that? Like, what was your emotional reaction to it? Because I feel like now it's about being, you know, different. And I think this is how you build a following, you build traction with audiences. And not everyone is going to love you, but how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think... It helped a bit to grow up very different from everybody else because we were very poor, squinted, overweight. It was very, it was very, it was a good training school, I guess. But in business, I mean, with this fantastic podcast that you're building, uh, this is one of the first episodes, you will find the same. I'll be trolls and haters and people tell you to stop recording and go home and do something else, right? Because that is that's how it works. One of my good friends is a, it's many celebrity in the marketing space in Italy, and here, people telling him to go and kill himself. I mean, that, that's the extent to which you can you can find haters. It is enough for you. And actually, this is a very important point. We're now partnering with a mental health organization to support uh, the work that they do. And one of the things that I really always talk about uh, with passion is haters and trolls. You know, how do you deal with yeah. people that don't not just don't like you, but the people that actually actively go in and, and, and troll and hate on you. And the... Uh, I mean, for anybody listening to this, well, actually, I'll do this with you, Matt. You know, if you tell me who is your best business author or nonfiction author? Oh, my best business nonfiction. Oh, wow, one, one of your favorites. I'll tell you who I really love at the moment. Yeah. I love Stephen Bartlett. Like, I, I'm yeah. completely fascinated by his, his content that he shares. He really inspires me. 
Um, and I think this is like, you know, we've been trying to push out a podcast for quite a while, but like this, his books actually pushed me to do it almost like just yeah. to get everything recorded. Yeah, Stephen Mallory is a fantastic example. A guy, you know, social chain, fantastic, fantastic guy, very, very focused on mental health, a great guy, right? Very hard to not like him. I've not done this, and uh, if I could share the screen, we'll probably do it live. But if you go to his um, book on Amazon and you click on one star reviews, I can promise you there will be, right? Yeah. And not only yeah, there'll be one star reviews, but there'll be one star reviews where, where people say, what a you know what a useless book what a blah 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 this guy shouldn't write whatever you'll find if you do this exercise with tony robbins with robin sharma with seth godin with gary vernachuk you will find people that not only will say that the book wasn't to their liking you'll find people that will say that the person is a waste of time they will insult the person uh, yeah if you're into boxing you will have seen anthony joshua just lost his, his titles at the yeah weekend, right not only people criticize, but there will be people like you and I who will get killed by one of Joshua's punches taking a massive dip. So what that tells is that the problem doesn't sit with you. The problem sits with them. No one successful, no one really successful would ever troll or hate. That is what I learned, right? Yeah. On somebody who is trying to build something. So anybody that trolls or hate is somebody that you really want to avoid. And to go back to your question, I haven't found in 20 years of building businesses a way to make your skin really thick. I remember yeah. I was invited to write as a columnist of uh, one of the most important magazines in the UK years ago, 10 years ago. And, the, and I remember saying to this person, look, I, I'm delighted. I mean, they, will, they will pay me as well. So I'm delighted. But just so you know, English isn't my first language. Right? And now I'm more confident in English than I'm in Italian. I mean, my, my yeah. written English after writing two books is... But, but, but back then it wasn't. And they said, I wouldn't worry about your English, I would worry about your skin. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you need to have a thick skin because you're going to get a lot of abuse. And little did yeah. I know, I said, yeah, whatever. You know, the stuff that people write is really hurtful. And I don't think there is an easy way to have your skin become thicker uh, without yeah. just going through it. What happens is that you, you just have to ignore it and then and eventually... I think they will have less impact on you simply because you will have data that shows you that you are legitimate, that you are good, that you yeah. you, know, you know what they say. But at the beginning, I think it will hurt. I don't think anybody deals with that emotionally particularly well at the beginning. And then after a while, you just become so uh, familiar with the truth and you're so... The belief that these people really are in a bad shape, and that's why they hate and they troll, is so strong yeah. that when you see a, a hateful comment, you kind of almost take pity, you almost feel sorry for the person, and it no longer yeah. affects you. But I don't know that there is a shortcut to get that. Man, that is one of the best ways to kind of understand trolls, like completely. <laughs> so I, I really hope that helps anyone that's listening because. You know, I've, I've also had some trolling, like with some of the content I've been releasing recently, I've had people personally say things and, and some people unfollow me. And, and like, the thing is like, I believe in what I'm doing and, and I want, I've got a goal where I want to get to. And, um, yeah. And, and my goal is to kind of push towards inspiring people with their happiness and like, like, like you really met, um, Luca. And I think having gone through such a, a dark stage of my life, like with my mum, losing my mum and this kind of stuff, like it makes you realize that, you know, life's really short and you've got to, 
you've got to try and focus on the happy stuff and and be grateful for what you've got and i think this is one of the biggest things i've learned recently is is gratitude like it's huge to your personal development i think yeah 100% and i think it goes not just for the things that you know people would naturally be grateful for you know the big business deal that you landed you know that the i think we need to be grateful of of the small things you know i write yeah. i write about gratitude a lot uh, because i really grew up with very little you know i grew up with very little but i also grew up with a big sense of uh gratitude and i grew up with love and when i go to bed and i've done this for for the past uh 10 years i always take the time a few minutes to just touch the mattress and and kind of acknowledge that I'm under a roof, that I've got a warm bed, I've got my kids sleeping next door. You know, the small things that we tend to take for granted. And they also then lend themselves as a very good tool for perspective, you know. I mean, look, you can be Tony Robbins, but there will be days where you wake up and you whinge. You whinge and you, you know, you feel a bit down for whatever reason. And when yeah. I go through what I call an emotional analysis, so I look at things that perhaps are affecting my my emotions. And when I can't find anything that I can fix, I apply perspective. And I think, you know, the things that we keep for granted, we're not entitled to it. We may not be there tomorrow. So I think being grateful is so super important. And then maybe the trolls and the haters really matter a bit less because who cares? I mean, one of the biggest lessons that I learned I think this, this is a very important skill to develop, which I try to teach my kids, and it's very hard to package into a lesson, is to really learn from everybody and, and, and everything, even the stuff that you don't like. It doesn't matter if you like Trump or Biden. It doesn't matter. There are good yeah. and bad things about both. And the moment you are able to take the good things from both without really discriminating, then that's, that's when you become a super Saiyan, right? Because you take the power yeah. from and the and not only I, I like the guy a lot, I like Eminem a lot as an artist, but I remember when I watched the movie Eight Mile ages ago, like many years ago. Such uh, a good movie as well. It's phenomenal <laughs> when he basically diss himself during this rap battle. He, he basically disses himself and then he gives the mic to the other guy and he says, now tell everybody something they don't know about me because he's already told everybody all the dirty laundry about him, right? And then it gives the other guy the mic and says, okay, now, now, Take, take, take people, tell people something they don't know about me. And that's a very powerful thing for me. When you embrace who you are and you embrace all the stuff that, that, that are good and not so good about you, and you kind of really don't judge and don't define yourself by your mistake and by the things that you're not great at, then I think you become so much more powerful. You know, yes, I'm not maybe the tallest, the prettiest, the smartest, you know. And when you acknowledge that in a way, that you still respect yourself and you're proud of yourself for everything else that you do, then I yeah. think it becomes very hard, you know, to offend you. It's really, really amazing that advice. I think it's it's really cool to hear, I guess, your journey with things in terms of how you've got from that point to where you are now. And kind of pulling on from that, one of the things that I was really, really curious with you is understanding the the perception of happiness, like when you first started to now, because I'll give you an example. So I moved back to Manchester to to basically open an office. Uh, in that process, I bought a house, bought a fancy car. I bought, I just basically focused on buying materialistic things. And yeah, it's all great on paper, but actually what I realized is I wasn't happy. So 
that when you realize that like these materialistic things don't bring you happiness, you have to seek something else. And for me, I knew that was my love here in Barcelona, which is where I'm now now based again. I'd lived here for four years before. And um, understanding that this is what brings me happiness and this location, the people, like this is my perception of how that's changed. And and this is so recent as well. Like, honestly, this is like within the last two months, I've discovered this new love and happiness within myself. Um, tell me a little bit about your perception of that. Oh, it's a great question. I don't know that I'm an expert. Uh, well, I know that I'm not an expert in that for sure. Um, I do believe strongly that happiness is in a status. Uh, happiness is fluid. And uh, the happiness is, you know, you can access happiness anytime. So if you put, if you put yourself in a very precarious uh, set of situations where you perhaps lack food and, and clean water, right, then the idea of happiness uh, is it's very different to the idea of happiness that you might have been surrounded by, by the luxuries and, the, and the, the easy life. And I think you said something very true. You know, often people find or tend to find happiness, tend to look for happiness in materialistic things and then they don't find it. And then many of them end up almost boycotting, almost kind of disliking the materialistic things. Well, I, well, I think there's a place for it, right? You know, it's just that we've been looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. Yeah. It's not that, look, money doesn't bring you happiness, but it makes life a lot easier, right? Yeah. There's, not, there's no doubt about that, right? Having a good car that you like, it's better than having a car you don't like. It's just not, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's silly to, to, uh, to not acknowledge that. But that isn't happiness. It's no. just a different thing. It's fun. Is is I don't know status is how you see yourself is whatever whatever it is right but it's not happiness right yeah I think happiness for me really is and it's very hard like I said I want to I want to prove from this I'm not an expert I don't claim to be an expert I don't teach about happiness because of that reason but for me happiness has got nothing to do with how the cells are going. It's got even nothing to do, not much to do with how much we give or what we give to others. It helps. I find, you know, whenever somebody comes to me and they say, look, I want a piece of advice. Please tell me. I feel a bit down. What do I do? I always tell them, go help somebody. Yeah. And that is for me the quickest way to become happier day to day. But for me, happiness is a state that you have access to every time. Every single day of your life. In, in our part of the world, most people have access to happiness, even if you don't have the money, even if you don't have the health right now, even if you don't have X, Y, and Z. You have a degree of happiness you can access because for the things that you don't have, there are things that you do have, right? I don't know how to teach people how to access that. And I don't know how to consistently teach myself that either because sometimes everything is going well and I'm not what I need to be. Right. So what I found are things that if I do consistently, I find myself more aware of my happiness and therefore happier. Right. And these are my mind movie in the morning, meditation, exercise, eating well and sleeping well. You know, these are the things that if I do consistently, I find myself happier than if I don't. And of course, giving, right? Every time I feel a little bit down and I think about it, one of the first things that comes to mind, oh, I haven't given in a while, right? And I don't give to be happy, right? Not at all. Like I said, there are 
a number of things that if I do consistently, I find myself more consistently happy. So that's what I think. You ask me, what is happiness? For me, happiness is a state because most people in our society have they have many reasons to be happy. So then the, yeah. the, the other question becomes, how do we access the state? For me, what works well is those things, meditating, exercising, eating well, sleeping well, you know, calling. You know, we have something called the wonderful week design that you're familiar because it's in Yeah, the I love that. Where you put stuff that will make your week fantastic, including uh, calling an old friend or, or whatever, going to buy a new car if that's what you wanted to do, whatever it is, in and out of work. And I think if you do that, you increase the level of happiness all the time because you are living more intentionally. You are, most people, we, most 90% of the people we come across wake up in the morning, they open their email, they open whatever app they use, and they are guided through the day by what those apps and messages tell them to do, a meeting or, or whatever else, right? Whereas if you wake up earlier, if you do the night before, you think, okay, what do I want today to look like? And then you work towards pushing that. By default, you are living more on your terms and, and logically you're going to be happier, right? So I think these are the things that for me work very well in order to be happier. Yeah, I think that's a really great way of describing it. And I also love how you've kind of said that you're not the expert on it because, you know, a lot of people will claim to be the expert, I guess. And um, it's it's good that, again, going back to the troll thing, like a lot of people might might come and attack these things. And uh, it's it's interesting to see your thought process behind how you go about talking about this. Um, one of the things I actually wanted to talk about as well was like, you know, if you go to, to one of the most poorest countries in the world, I don't know, let's, let's talk about like Cuba, like there at the moment, there's a lot of issues going on in Cuba, but a lot of the people seem to obviously as well, maintain quite a lot of happiness, like in themselves. Um, from what I've heard from just speaking to someone at the weekend that the Cuban people are some of the happiest people around. And, um, when you've got nothing, there's, they still find ways to, to be happy. And, um, I think that's a really important lesson to kind of understand in this case. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it is the, the typical, I think first world country mentality to assist to associating, uh, the, the habit of associating happiness with what you have, you know, it's, not everybody sees life in the same terms. Not everybody values things and and uh, comfort in the same way. You know, there are some people that love the idea of having a warm house where you can just press a button and cook. Some people would hate that. You know, so yeah. all I'm saying here is that I feel you know you said something very interesting. You said, oh, you know, it's interesting that you frame yourself as not the expert because people would attack this. So I think this sentence has got so much, uh, it's so emotionally charged for many people because being the expert is nothing else than the ego getting in the way of learning. Yeah. Claiming to be an expert and, and really uh, latching on to that title is nothing else, in my opinion, than the, the ego. Uh, sorry, one second. It's nothing else than the ego uh, claiming its space and getting in the way of learning because, yeah. yes, I mean, look, I've, I've, I've built businesses for a long time. If there is one thing that I consistently did successfully is building businesses. Yeah. So I feel I have a little bit of a license in teaching people how to do that. And the results that we get with our clients show that. That doesn't mean that I'm the expert, meaning that I don't learn. 
we spent a hundred thousand dollars. I talk in dollars because it's easier. We, we spend money pretty much everywhere. We spent a yeah. hundred thousand dollars this year in mentoring for ourselves. So yeah, I yeah. paid to be mentored, right? Because the moment you, the moment you to impress with yourself, you become very unimpressive very quickly. So none yeah. of the say none of the things that I say that we did and we know or we don't know are me uh, framing myself as an expert or, or otherwise. It's more, I think it's more about, yeah, well, I have experience in this, so this is what I do. But by all means, if there is anybody, anybody else that has got different uh, experiences and opinions, that they, they would just add, you know, and that's how we become yeah. better. And the second thing it's is attacking, attacking these things. You know, there are people that attack these things. When I find some, so yesterday, so we're trying to get my sales team into a mentoring program, right? And uh, uh, these people want me to be on the call, on the sales call. Uh, and I said, look, I don't need to be on the sales call. We, we built a very autonomous uh, business whereby these guys will make the decision because they will be going to the sessions, not me. And I said, oh, does that mean that they've got a credit card? I said, no, it doesn't mean that. But even if I was on the call, we don't buy on the phone. That's not how we operate. We go away and we run the business through the team and we get an alignment before we decide. Right, so I said, yeah. oh, I don't need to be on the call. And the attitude with which this person came back, I read the first sentence and I just left the group, the group chat, because I don't need to be, I don't need to consume that energy. So if somebody, in my opinion, attacks anything that I say or that you say, oh, I think the best way is to just really think to yourself: Is this a type of energy, the type of conversation, the type of person that I want to be dealing with? It's not so much what they say; it's how they say it. And the moment yeah. the answer is no for me, I just remove myself from it. I don't, I don't need to be in that great. conversation. That's really great. I think that's a great bit of advice, to be honest with you. Fantastic. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I guess it's hard when you're getting like I've I've obviously noticed it a lot more recently because I'm getting more challenged since I'm posting more. <laughs> so, but I, I this morning had someone say something really nice to me, saying, "Keep posting. I love your content." Hundred and that it's, it's is what you want to focus on. You want to focus on the people. You know, we have so many people that tell us their life has changed and people that have never paid us, you know, just through our content. And that's what you, know, you want to focus on, you know. You want to just really remember that joke. I don't know if you heard it, which is, uh, I think, I can't remember, so I'm paraphrasing massively, but I think a person says to the other, ah, oh, you know, I just learned that you should never argue uh, with a stupid person. And then the other person says, well, I don't agree. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> yeah. it's just really kind of understanding what type of interactions you want to have and i'm saying anybody's stupid but there are some people that live life a little bit differently and if in my book for, for, for the type of environment that we're trying to create if somebody gets on one of our content pieces or anything that we do and they say you know I don't agree with that whatsoever because of A, B, and C, but I'm interested in that conversation. That is an opportunity for growth, right? Because if yeah. they teach you something you learned, if they don't, then you go extra confirmation that what you're doing is what you want to do. But when somebody trolls, hates, or attacks it, then it's not, irrespective of whether they are right or wrong, it's not a conversation that I want to have because the energy level that they will induce it's not the energy level that i want to have the frequency is not what i want to have the emotions that it evokes is not what i want to have in my life and we are the yeah. sum of the closest people that we get around us so you're gonna have to decide who you want to be and then surround yourself with the people that help you become that person sometimes that is tough love but certainly i i you know for me bullying and being rude 
and shows that that's not something we want to see. So whenever somebody does that, we block them, even if they have a check of a million pounds in their hands. Yeah. I think that's good. I I um I spoke about it in yesterday's podcast, I think, but we recently um, fired a client because the the values didn't add between they didn't match between what we wanted and what they wanted. So yeah. we we got rid of the client because it, it brought so much negativity into the business. And sometimes when you get negative, kind of um, into a negative situation, it can get really out of control and consume all your time. And obviously, being like a CEO, like you know like you've only got a certain amount of time in the day to, to deal with stuff and you have to understand where you want to spend that time. And, and actually this leads me on to something else because part of this podcast episode is about like understanding, I guess the life of a CEO. So like one of the things that I'd really love the listeners to understand is how you go about your daily routine. Cause you've mentioned in here, obviously fitness, you're an ex professional MMA fighter, right? So this is a big part of your, your previous kind of background and what you do now, you're very much, you're, you're very active. Um, but also you have a very strict process for how you manage your day because I've, I've learned from you on that process as well. I mean, you've basically shown me how to do it and it's the wonderful week design and I, I apply that every day and it's fantastic. So tell us a bit more about that aspect. Like what does your day-to-day life look like? Yeah, it's very different at the moment, at this present time, because there are a few things that are changing, quite quite major things that are changing. So, um, and, and I think it's important to to approach most things um, in phases. You know, there are phases where you nail it, and there are phases where you don't, and that's okay. That's part of the the journey. I always show the graph of Gini Gold's growth. We went, you know, I think the graph particularly showed zero to two million. And the way we do, if you look at it year on year, you'll see quite a beautiful line, actually, that goes up, you know, in, in a very good way, right? And then, my goodness, it's fantastic, textbook, right? But if I show you the same number, exactly the same numbers, but I do a month on month rather than a year on year, you will see pikes and, sp- uh, uh, pikes and dips, yeah. right? And yeah. some of the dips are actually lower than the previous year, right? So, you know, and obviously, if you translate that to, to how you feel, you feel fantastic. I'm going to order a new car on the holiday of, you know, called the bank arranging overdraft. You know, you have this, this, this volatile. And I think it's important to do the same with everything in, in your life without letting yourself go too far from where you want to be. But fitness and, and, and daily routines are the same. So at the moment, it's a bit different because I'm making these big changes. But typically, there are a few things that I tend to do, which are, I, I call them my victory. Uh, my victory uh, routines and they are getting up early for me getting up early as uh, a compounding effect on productivity happiness and then many other things health and so on so for me waking up early is the single most powerful hack that you can apply to your life and by early i mean 4 45 4 30 45 so You're up and down by five o'clock right uh, and again <laughs> it's important that i say this is this doesn't happen 100 percent of the time it doesn't have to be that it's just that is the that is the gold standard, you know. And sometimes you are platinum, sometimes you're silver. It's okay, but you you know you're always gonna travel close to that line. Uh, so for me, when I wake up late, it's seven, right? And so for some people, seven is early. So you see, you kind of change what what uh, what good looks like, and you always push yourself. So typically, four forty-five up, five o'clock, I'm up, and then I've got an hour where during that hour I normally do. Uh, 
mental and physical training. So I, I, start, I tend to start with physical training, whether it's a run or some heat routine or some weights, whatever, something to get their, their heart racing and, and get a little bit of sweat. And then I do meditation and learning. And meditation sometimes can be five minutes. It doesn't matter, right? As long as I sit down and I just take the time to just be for a, for a while. And that is the early part. And then between seven and nine, I do the all non-agency work. Right? So some of the other businesses, I do. And now I, I know some is basically taken care of. I don't really do much. But yeah, I do everything that is not my core work. Then between now and nine and eleven, I tend to look after the team, uh, just checking in, making sure that everybody is fine. And then I always have uh, one or two sessions a day that I call the top ninety, where I I just work on the high impact stuff, the stuff that if completed moves the business forward, moves moves life forward, forward. Right? stuff forward. that is stuff the forward. most important uh, for yeah. me to do that the other way. And then I tend to begin to wrap uh, wrap everything up by 4, 4.30. And then towards the end of the day, I look at whether I do a live on Facebook or catch up with the team, anything that is a little bit low, uh, low maintenance and, and low demand in terms of concentration. And, uh, and that's it. And I like to spend time with my family. So even during the day, I take breaks. Uh, you know, I could play golf for an hour or play with my children if they're not at school or anything like that. I do not believe in, uh, if you can, I mean, and now we can because my office is, is at home. Uh, I do believe in, in breaking your day often. Uh, so every hour, hour and a half, take a good chunky break to recharge and to kind of walk and, and do that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that's, that's basically how I, how I tend to approach my day. That's amazing. And there's lots of that, that top 90 is really important. Like I try to do the same thing and try and figure out some high impact tasks that we can achieve in a day, which actually makes the, the dial move a little bit because you often get consumed in a lot of different things. I think you have a, a more organized structure than I do. <laughs> but, well, you know, I, I don't think the more organized than is, is a call that perhaps it's important to you right now. You might have, you know, like I said, everything is everything happens as and when you, you know, it should. But I think it's, it's, it's about, you know, ultimately it's about this. Ultimately it's about going to bed at night and imagine that, you know, uh, some higher power comes down and tells you, hey, Matt, here's two pieces of paper. On one piece of paper, that's the, the Matt that you could have been today. And this piece of paper is, is the Matt that you have been. And the goal is to make the difference between the two pieces of paper as small as possible. Right? That's fantastic. And whether that is for you to work out five hours in the gym and do two hours of work. So, for example, for, for Sam, we could grow this. We, we could triple Sam in terms of revenue if we wanted to. But I'm taking the time back. So my, my growth now is time. Right? Yeah. So the fact that I go and play golf during the day, the fact that I spend time with my kids during the day, the fact that... You know, I think I woke up to a $3,000 sale that came in and I, I, I know nothing about it. For me, that is yeah. payback, right? And so for some others, it would be instead of doing nothing for it and then see $3,000 a day, they would want to see $30,000 a day and work for it. They're not wrong. I'm not yeah. wrong. We're just on different paths. And so I think yeah. it's really about going to bed thinking, okay, this is the math that I could have been and this is the matter that I've been. And make that gap very, very small, nil if possible. And the, the version of, of, uh, of you that you could have been 
needs to be planned. And if you don't plan it, if you don't sit down and consciously think, well, hey, what do I want to be? What I feel could end up doing, uh, happening is that we become what we feel that we should become, what perhaps our next neighbor is or what people tell us that we should do or whatever. Whereas if you sit down and think, okay, what makes me happy? Actually, I, I, don't, I don't need to be in Manchester with two houses and five cars. I want to be in Barcelona, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. But if you don't stop and consciously think about it, you might actually fall victim of, of being who you think you should be. Yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of wrap everything up because it's it's important to make sure that you've got some kind of goal and and what what you want to aim towards and that that two paper scenario I'm actually going to take that away from this episode and really think about that because I think that's genius. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about being uh, in competition with our potential and our goals, yeah. not with anybody else. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well. You know, Luca, it's been an amazing experience having you on this show. Um, and I'm so, so like happy that uh, you've become part of our lives as well because you've, you've taught us so much. And um, yeah, you've helped us to, to really break through some of the, the challenges that we, we had before. I mean, we, you helped us to actually create um, a, a positioning and strategy for Circulate, which is my digital agency, which is you know, targeting premium luxury lifestyle brands. And since then, we've, we've just seen an influx of, of new business coming through because we've repositioned ourselves. And like for that, I'm super grateful. But more importantly, just having you there as like a mentor and a friend has been great. So uh, I really appreciate you, and um, I'm I'm hoping at some point we'll have another podcast uh, later down the line. But yeah, um, where can people find you? By the way, I like to end on this because I think, like, after every podcast, there's really interesting bits of information that come out, and people might want to find you. So, where can people find you? Yeah, yeah. So, firstly, let me tell you the the, the feeling is mutual. I'm glad that we bumped into each other and that we got into each other's lives. You guys are fantastic. Your story is great. Uh, your intentions are beautiful. Your ethics are, you know, really powerful. So I, I'm excited to see you guys grow and do bigger and bigger things. So I'm delighted that you invited me to to the podcast. In terms of where people can find me, I think if you just really Google Lucas Senatore, uh, everything will come up. I think the first two pages are about me because with a name like Lucas Senatore dominating the SEO scene is quite easy. So I think the easiest is you know just Google my name or Facebook. I think. The truth is that if I'm very, very truthful, I'm not really active on any social platform, although you will see that I'm very active. It's really more my team. Uh, so the, the best way is to just Google me and hit some sort of contact us button. And, and if you need to get in touch with me, just, just do that. That's fantastic. And one last point on that. Luca also has a book which I've read and it's fantastic. It's called The Agency Um highly recommend reading it if you run a digital agency or if you're looking for like a mentor as well um luca's your man so thank you for everything luca been an awesome episode can't wait to launch it so we will catch up with you soon thanks so much matt thank you everybody uh, yeah. have a blessed day and good luck with everything